I want the jury to hear the truth. And the reality, Brandon, is when you're innovative and you're small, the big sharks are gonna go out and get you and distract you. And I would always say, just stay focused on your course and what you believe in, whatever God put in, as long as it's done from a good place and it's done with at the highest ethics, fight for it, yeah. never give up. Welcome to A Better Life with Brandon Turner. That is me, where world-class guests share their wisdom on building a better life. Join me as we explore the habits, the actions, and the beliefs that have guided their journey with the aim of helping you apply those lessons to your own. We set Adele, man. So the first time I met you, was in uh, up the top of the mountain in Colorado, right? And then we went down to the bottom at that, what was that hotel called? Do you remember the Cloud Camp and it, it's whatever it is? Me yeah, out. whatever. It's a cool hotel there, right? But beautiful anyway, hotel, though. Beautiful really, hotel. really. And we're sitting by the pool that day. Uh, we had a little free time. We were sitting by the pool and you were just talking about your story, about where you come from. And like, that was the second I was like, oh, geez, when I launch a podcast again, I have to get this guy on the podcast. That was back in July. I wasn't even planning a podcast yet, but I was like, when I come out with a podcast, I'm getting you. And then the fact that we filmed the first one here in LA and you were like, oh yeah, I'm available. And now you're here. So I'm excited for everyone else to kind of hear a bit about you. So hello, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, my brother. Yeah, man. Listen, I was just telling Steve, I says, you know, you're truly, honestly, the salt of the earth. And a lot of people know you from the business perspective and what you've done on social media and what you've done to impact people's life financially. But I got to know you and see the real you behind the scenes. And you are genuinely as beautiful of a man as they come. Oh, and thanks, seeing man. what you're doing with the show and they donate 100% back to charity just really just glorifies the man that you really are. So I'm, I'm grateful to be here on this podcast. I'm grateful to be with you and I'm looking, it, I'm looking forward to the next hour. Cool, man. I love it. Well, speaking of charity, so yeah, for the show, what we do uh, every episode, the ad revenue from that episode, you know, the whole tribe goes to charity, but specifically these episodes go to the ad revenue to a charity of the choosing of our guests. So what breaks your heart? What do you, uh, what either cause mm. or charity do you uh, want us to throw all ad revenue from the show towards? You know what? I've always been just my whole life evolved around impacting kids' lives, especially ones that are underprivileged. We adopted 800 kids a number of years ago in, in South Africa, and I just love being able to give back. But the charity that always spoke to my heart is Missing and Exploited Children. We've been supporters and sponsors of them because these are the kids that are abducted yeah. and abused in horrible ways. And we love supporting that charity, giving back and making a difference in these kids' lives and going out, rescuing them and bringing them home yeah. where they belong. Man, all right. Well, that's definitely where we're going for this episode. So, all right, man. Well, let's dig in a little bit. You had a billion dollar company at one point, right? Was, we did. Yeah, we did. I, I, but I want to start way before that. <laughs> I want to go way back before that. Like, who were you before that? Where'd you come from? What's oh your my story? Gosh. So I was born in a country called Jordan. Okay. Grew up in a tiny little village. I'm one of 10 kids. And we grew in a one room house, not a one bedroom house. One room. A one room house. 10 kids. 10 kids. And that wow. room was our dining room. It was our bedroom. It was our living room. It was our wow. play area. It was our study room. It was everything to us. We wake up in the morning, we just put our mattresses away, and it became our, our dining room. Looking back, that honestly, that was some of the most amazing, wonderful memories when life was just that simple. Yeah. You know, most people don't have recollection when they were two years old. I do, because that was this 1967. That was a six-day war that broke out. I remember bombs exploding all around my house. I remember the house shaking and, like, vivid memories of that, even at age two. Age four, there was another war in 1969, and in 1971, there was another war that broke out, and I have recollections of all that, and that was about the time that we came into the U.S., moved into Yonkers, New York, where I grew up, graduated high school with three scholarships. I could have gone anywhere I wanted, but I opted to serve my country as a U.S. Marine. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, wow. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. My haircut, I still keep my yeah, haircut yeah, 30 years short. later. <laughs> <laughs> and looking back, that was probably the best decision that I've ever made to serve my country. I really? love my country dearly. I'm so grateful to be in the U.S. Yeah. And uh, each and every day I wake up just as a grateful man living here and started the company, my wife and I, in a garage. And 25 years later, we built it to a billion dollar valuation. Wow. 
I own over 200 patents in the security space. So if you've ever gone shopping, you've seen my products. They're the security tags on clothing. <laughs> did, right? you inv- did you invent that or you bought that we from somebody? Did. Or? No, we invented that. How did, you, how did you, I mean, was that just an idea? You were like, hey, this would be cool. Or like- so it was a friend that came up to me that was, he was in a retail space. They were being challenged in the intimate apparel that they were being ripped off constantly. He yeah. says, can you help me develop a product that will solve this problem? And I love challenges. And at the time, I remember I must have interviewed no less than 100 engineers and every single one that I met says, can't be done, can't be done, can't mm-hmm. be done. And I ended up going to DeVry, a tech college down the street from us. And I met with the professor and I says, hey, identify the two smartest kids you got here. And he identified them. I went and introduced myself and I said, hey, listen, we're a startup. I'm willing, if you're willing to help me, I'll buy you breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and all the soda you could drink. And that was it. I ended up recruiting two kids wow. back then. And 90 days later, we actually developed our first technology that became one of the most profound technology that exists virtually in every retail space today. That's wild. I mean, did you have the technical ability? Did you go to school for the technical side or you were management side? Or how did you even come you know, up with that? Brad, it, it was... At age five, I was a kid that was opening the radio. I had to understand how the radio worked. At age 16, I rebuilt my engine in my car. 16 and a half, I rebuilt my transmission. And when I was in the Marine Corps, I signed up and I was with Anglico, Air Naval Gunfire Liaison Company. Mm. So I was stationed on Air Force, Naval, and Army bases just as much as I was on Marine Corps bases. And we were the guys that were actually training with the Navy SEALs before anyone knew who they were. And we would jump behind enemy lines and assess the situation and then either call in airstrikes from the Air Force, gunfire from the Navy. And But when we graduated, they said, congratulations, Marine, your life expectancy is 37 minutes. <laughs> and I remember talking about that. I was like, what the bleep did oh, he yeah. just say? <laughs> 37 minutes. Ooh. So I went to a local radio shack. I bought a primitive form of repeaters and modified them and turned them into repeaters. We would borrow as much cable as we could get our hands on. And I would put these repeaters and sometimes would be as much as a quarter of a mile away. Mm. And, you know, we would just call in airstrikes and they'd be dropping smoke grenades thinking we're at location A. Oh, funny. It would be somewhere else sipping bourbon thinking it was funny and hilarious (laughs) that we were doing that until I got a tap on my shoulder and it was Naval Intelligence that says, kid, come here, we want to talk to you. So I've always had a knack for technology. I've always had a knack for, for solving problems. I think that's a, something, that a gift that God has given me early on in my life. And he blessed me throughout my life with being able to utilize it for the good. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to ask you a big, broad question, and you can take this where you want to. To go from garage with an idea to a company worth a billion dollars, what was that like? That sounds wild. Yeah, it was. It took an enormous amount of faith. Mm to do what we did because two years into it, I had to make a decision. I want to make a mortgage payment or make payroll. Yeah. And I opted for payroll. I ended up losing my house. Wow. And we just had a newborn. Brandon was just, my, my son was born. And that was probably the lowest point in my life when we were homeless. And, you know, I had to live with my parents and my family members. And it was really hard because I felt ashamed at some point. I didn't want to see anyone because I felt like I was letting my wife down and my kid down. And I would wake up before anybody was up. I would leave the house if I was staying at my parents' house. And I wouldn't come back until everybody went to sleep. And my wife, she'll stay up with me with my son just so I could play with them and, and be with her. And we did that until I was able to turn the business around. But for the first 13 years, Brandon, we didn't take a vacation. It was other than a weekend getaway. It was really... A lot of hard work, a lot of devotion, a lot of dedication, but I believed in what I was doing. Yeah. Did you expand different products or was that like still your primary thing with just those tags or did you do a lot of stuff? So I had a lot of opportunity to do stuff, but we stayed in that space. So okay. tags were our primary. And then obviously we got into the video software. We got into facial recognition software. We got into oh, really? other areas of technology. I try to stay in that. I wanted to be the master of that yeah. particular technology. And we were competing against, at the time, we were a no-brand name competing with billion-dollar companies like Tyco, as an example. And that was tough. And I'm going to tell you something. These big companies, when they want to buy you out and you say no, which I've said no multiple times, guess what they do? 
they come with some bogus BS lawsuits that uh. they were filing, and they were literally dropping the lawsuits at the front of the courthouse. Wow. And there was a time, you have to hear this, this is funny, there was this a federal case that we were charged, you know, they were alleging that we're infringing patents, so it was all BS. And the day of, you know, now that they've taken all my time and resources and enormous amount of money was spent, it was just really nothing more than a distraction. They dropped the lawsuit the day of. And then we filed a petition that told the judge that we don't want them to drop the lawsuit. And I was in California and this lawsuit was in Ohio. The judge ordered me to appear in the court the next day. She didn't care how I got there. She just, she said, like, I want your client here. So I finally found a flight, got in, and the judge says to me, she goes, sir, I want you to understand something. The plaintiff here is dropping all charges against you and your company for, and your attorneys are fighting it. And she, and she goes, you're aware that I suggest you on I am. And she goes, you don't want to drop? And I says, no. She's like, she pulls her hair out. I was like, help me understand. I said, Your Honor, this is not the first time she did do it. And yeah. this is so wrong. And I just, I want the jury to hear the truth. And the reality, Brandon, is when you're innovative and you're small, the big sharks are going to go out and get you and distract you. And I would always say, just stay focused on your course and what you believe in, whatever God put in. As long as it's done from a good place and it's done with at the highest ethics, fight for it. Yeah. Never give up. Yeah, that's incredible, man. Yeah, I, you hear about that like in movies, you know, where it's like the big bad corporation just takes out the little guy. But like, it's almost like you don't believe it happens in real life, but it clearly happens in yeah. real life. They're like, it's just business for them. And they're just like, oh, just take out the little guy if they're not going to sell to me. Wow. Okay, yeah. so so what happened next? You grow the billion dollar business. Yes, we just kept innovating and growing. And now my company's valuation in 2014, we we're talking to Stanley Black and Decker. They offered us 350 million cash plus stock options at the time worth a billion dollars. Today it's probably closer to two billion. Wow, yeah. At 49, I was 49 at the time. I was in the best shape of my life. I was training for Iron Man. I was in better shape at 49 than when I was in the Marine Corps. Oh, wow. And if you said Adele, how was life? It was perfect by all definitions. Materialistically, I owned everything I could possibly ever dream of. Every dream car I ever imagined owning as a little kid. I owned houses. I mean, just life was perfect, healthy family. And I'm in great health shape. And then I got a knock on the door. And when I opened, I said, Adele, I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what you invented. I don't care who you know. I'm pancreatic cancer. Hmm. And there is no escaping me. Wow. Like, wow. So yeah. you're faced with that. You got everything going on in the world, all this stuff, and then cancer. What was the diagnosis? Like, what was the chance? Like, they say, you know, most yeah. people survive it, most people don't. Where were you? I was given my last rights on three separate occasions oh, no. where man and science had given up on me. Wow. And when they did, my faith was just was strong, but I know what God put in my heart. And I remember just, I would make my wife promises. And I said, baby, I promise you, I'm not going to leave you. Mm. Because I really, I, more than anything in the world, I wanted to walk my daughters down the yeah. wedding aisle. And I wanted to be there for my boys more than you could ever imagine. So I had something to really, to look forward to and to, to strive for and to want to live for. And I knew that, you know, one of my favorite Bible verses was when Jesus told the lady, he says, your faith will heal you. And I knew that man had given up on me, but I knew my faith will heal me. And I believe that in my heart. I believe that with every ounce of my soul. And this is my sixth year. Last year I was at UCLA where they have what they call a gallium 68. It's a test that I think is one of three universities in the world that do it. It's not covered by insurance. So it was like 25 G's, but I came back 99.998% cancer-free. Wow. Right? Which is a pretty rare thing. The doctor was hugging me. He goes, adult, 34 years. I've never had someone survive pancreatic cancer, and here you are. Wow. Wow. What do you credit that? I mean, like, obviously, miracle, God involved, for sure. Did you do anything else? I mean, was there, did you go on a special diet? I mean, like, what all did you do physically to help? Yeah. So Chemo, all that? My brother and I, who's an oncologist at the time, got diagnosed one month apart. He got diagnosed with liver cancer. I got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He went chemo. I opted to just go holistic. And so for the first 30 days, 
you know, I felt like God had prepared me. And, I, and I'm one that truly, in my heart of hearts, believe that life is happening for us, yeah. not to us. And I've always looked at, when I look back on my life, I always looked at my darkest moments were pivoting points to something greater than I could ever possibly imagine. And two years earlier, I was at a health retreat. I was learning about, you know, special diets and how cancer operates. I wasn't sick or anything at the time, but I just wanted to be healthier. And that kind of clicked in and downed on me that, you know, what I needed to do. So as soon as I got diagnosed, I went on a water, lemon juice, and cayenne pepper diet for the first 30 days. Not a single piece of food went into my mouth. And doctors were advising me against it. And I was getting called literally almost every day by doctors saying, you can't do this. You got to go. We have a protocol and the treatment. You got to follow the treatment. And I, and I resisted. And then for the next year, not a single piece of solid food went in my mouth. We just went into juicing green. I believe in pH diet. So I just ate green. And that's all I ate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was just juicing. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was a change. I, mean, I was one that loved, I, was, I had the biggest sweet tooth. So giving up sugar, yeah. giving up gluten, giving up dairy was really tough at first. But again, I had, had a compelling reason to yeah. want to give all that up. What was your mental state mental health like during that time and were you angry were you mad at god were you mad at the world were you yeah what were you at like during that you know it's funny you say that brandon no not at all i never even questioned why me ever 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 the only time i was upset on myself i had a surgery scheduled this would be my third surgery and i had a three percent chance of going home and a 97 percent chance of going to the morgue this was it and this is a surgery that I opted for. I believe like no one else does. No one will ever take care of you the way you can take yeah. care of you. Not your mom, not your dad, not your siblings, not your spouse. No one in your life will ever take care of you the way you're going to take care of you. So if you have health issues, you really got to take it personally and you got to make it dear and dear to your heart. So I was that man. And if I did nothing, I, they gave me months or I could do the surgery and cut it short. And that was a tough decision because, you know, months could be six months. It could yeah. be even a year, but that would be the end. Or I could take a high-risk surgery, but I could live a normal life. And I opted for that. And I talked my doctors into doing that. Not a lot, as my doctor said, not a lot of doctors in the world would ever do that, yeah. but he was willing to take that chance on me. I get a phone call. So my, you could imagine a surgery like this. Everyone was in the room. My entire family was there. No one was allowed to say their goodbyes, but they were allowed to give me a whole lot of love. The priest was there, everyone that you can imagine. And my phone rings and I look at my phone and it's the president of my company. And I remember the conversation vividly and it went something like this. It said, hey, buddy, I know you got a lot on your plate. Yeah. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, you think so? And he goes, I got a job offer from your competitor. My competitor is the one I'm in litigation with. Oh. And he goes, unless you could match this salary, I'm resigning effective immediately. And he goes, oh, by, by the way, you, you don't have to make a decision right this minute. You have until 8 o'clock in the morning to let me know. Oh, geez. I'm being scrubbed at 6 a.m., actually at 5 a.m. for a 6 o'clock surgery. Did he know? or was he, was that, that Of was course he knew. Yeah. Of course he knew. And you know what, what I told my wife and I told others? Because, look, my facial expression must have said it all. My wife was talking to the priest, and she just stormed to me. She's like, baby, are you okay? Are you okay? And that was the first time I realized I came in contact with real evil. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what real evil was until I heard the voice of what real evil was. And what do you say to something like this? I was yeah. like, done. I had so much things to worry about. I says, go for it. And that was the decision that changed the course of my business because then the unimaginable happened. They forged documents where they took out lines of credit on my own home. They took out lines of credit on my businesses, on my properties, personal properties that I owned. They forged everything you could ever imagine and went on a shopping spree. Hmm. And literally overnight, everything disappeared. On Christmas Eve, Brandon, I'm with my family and I get a phone call. And it's my my finance manager. She didn't report to me. She reported to CFO. She goes, uh, Adele, I just want to let you know that I'm resigning, but take a look at the email that I sent you. And I'm looking, I was like, what is this? She goes, your numbers and your finances are not what they seem. Mm. 
I'm like, what are you talking about? And I, I couldn't make any sense out of it. I'm looking at this. I was like, what is this? I had an external board besides my internal board that told me, Adele, you're doing, your company's doing so good. They're actually doing better without you being there <laughs> than you being there. And it was, it was like that bittersweet moment, right? Like, you know, yeah. part of me was like heartbroken. It's like, man, how could my company be doing better than without me? Yeah. But at the same time, as like a parent, like any looking at your kids and saying, oh, man, my kids are growing up. Yeah. So it was a bittersweet moment. But it turned out that it was all forged. The numbers were nothing what that they seemed. And shortly after, I heard from both forensics, you know, the federal law enforcement forensics and the private forensics that told me, Adele, you're bankrupt. Wow. So I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm not even out of the woods yet. And I went from a year earlier talking to M&A about exiting at a billion dollars. And now I'm meeting with, with attorneys talking about bankruptcy. And it wasn't a choice that I made. It wasn't a bad decision that I made. It was a card that I was dealt. So I never asked the question why this happened to me, but I was a little upset with myself that I was so trusting that I could trust people because I realize now that, you know, man, sadly, yeah. will at some point betray your trust and let you down. Is there any advice for younger people or people earlier in their career trying to build that billion dollar brand? I mean, there's a few questions in there, but we'll start with like, how to make sure that doesn't happen to me? How to make sure that the people around me are the right people and that they're not taking advantage of a situation or stealing? Like, what could you advise there? Yeah. So looking back, I think it goes back to the hiring process. You know, my gut told me I probably shouldn't hire them, but I went against my gut just because they had the credentials. Their resume looked incredibly yeah. powerful. They had a very successful track records. And I was a little too trusting. I didn't trust my gut the way I should. So my advice would always trust your gut. Your heart will never fail you. It hasn't failed you. Otherwise you'd be six feet under yeah. and trust your own intuition. And honestly, my faith, you know, I'm a man of faith today in a very profound way. I think that plays a, a big role in hiring a dynamic group of people because just having that commonality, I think impacts people's life in more ways than you could imagine. For me, and you know, unfortunately, none of them were people of faith. And I think that did play a big role, Yeah, you know? Well, let's back up a little bit too in the story. When you were growing the business from the garage to the billion dollar level, how were you as a father during that time? You got kids, right? Like, did you balance that pretty well or was that out of balance a lot? Or where yeah. were you at? Because that's something that a lot of people, especially like in my case with little kids, yeah. were dealing with. In fact, every conversation I've had on this podcast now has gone to that at some <laughs> point. So I'm like, yep. there's clearly something here in my head about it. God bless me with four kids, yeah. two boys and two girls. They're literally a year apart. There's a time we used to say one, two, three, four. And outside of my business, it was really my family. Sadly, at the time, I had to travel like 80% of my time. I was living out of a suitcase in hotel rooms. But when I was home, 100% of my time was dedicated to my family. I made it a point, especially on their birthdays. I never missed a birthday. And, you know, mom will take them to school and dad will go an hour later. I will pluck them out. And I would just, it would just be me and them just for the rest of the day. I've always given them my undivided attention and made each person, each one of my kids feel incredibly special because they're all fighting for your attention. And, and that allowed me to do that. And of course we always had our family time. I will tell you this, Brandon, when the doctors would walk in and tell me, I'm so sorry, there's just nothing we could do. In that moment in time, I never thought about, man, look at all the money I have in my bank mm -hmm. or look at all the houses I own or look at all these exotic cars. I wish I did more. I wish I invested more. You know what I wish for? I miss the point. It's like, I wish I was there when my son hit the home run and I was able to cheer him on. Yeah. Or when my little baby girl fell down and I was there to comfort her. Or my wife needed a husband and I wasn't there for her. Those are the moments in my life that kind of really were defining moments. And that's what I would tell the audience, man, that there's nothing more precious and more beautiful than when you give your life and you give your attention to your family. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. That's where your joy and that's where your happiness and that's where your, your peace, your inner peace will always come from, from your family. That's good, man. Yeah, it reminds me of that quote they were saying, like, I don't know who first said it, but the idea of, you know, people say they will die for their family. Like, I die yeah. for my kids. I die for my wife. I die. Yeah, good for you. Will you live for them? Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, it's <laughs> so like, true. Yeah, you so can true. you can do all that want, but you're not showing that you're even living for them. So, so true. 
Yeah. So just that, yeah. You know, my dad, when we were growing up, one of my earliest memories, my dad would come and pick us up from school one at a time. So we were, had four kids in my family too. And so one each day, each month. And I didn't realize as a kid, I didn't realize that it was every Thursday he would come on his day off and he would pick up us from school, would come and pl- pluck us out of school or out of like lunch. And he would take us to McDonald's. We just go have McDonald's yep. and I go back. And it was such a normal thing right now. Now I'm looking, I'm like, that would have been like annoying. Like he worked, you know, 60 hours a week at one day off. And he spent it every single week off. He'd go take his kid out to lunch. Like he didn't go to the, the golf course or to the spa or, you know, any of that stuff. Yep. He just went and took his kids to lunch every single week. Uh, I choke up thinking about it. I'm like, that's a sacrifice. Like, and that was him being like, look, I, I have to put in a lot of hours. He's a meat cutter or yep. to a butcher. And he's like, I, this is time I get one-on-one to show my kids that. And I never thought like, yeah, I never, like because of that. In fact, you know, we interviewed uh, Steve Chu on this episode earlier. We were talking about a similar topic about it's being fully present in that moment with your kids. Yep. And that's such a powerful thing. And like, like, even if it's not six hours of playing Legos, it's that hour once a week of lunch made a difference. So but, it's true. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so, so, so true. My kids share that with me. And look, nothing brings me more joy than when my kids remind me of something that we did mm. that maybe I've forgotten about is those memories that really truly make a difference and, yeah. and, and reminds me that I need to do more of it. And to your point, I've seen so many people, you know, it's like, hey, baby, how was your day? And then they're watching the football games, like, oh, 49ers. Yep. <laughs> you know, they're not even, they're not even present. And, yeah. and if you're not present for her, someone else is going to be. Yeah. And that's the truth. And the same thing for your kids, man. You know, I look back, they're the greatest blessing that God could ever possibly bless us with. And, you know, this is not about us being selfish. This is always about us sacrificing and doing what we feel is righteous in our heart. But yeah. There's no greater feeling than when you have that peace and you come home and you see your family run to you. But I will tell you this also, you know, when I used to travel and I come home, you know, all four kids wanted my attention and, you know, my kids would be running to me and you know, I was busy, you know, just getting out of the car with my suitcases and I would push the first kid and the second kid and the third kid and the fourth kid. And I always went straight to my wife okay. and she got my first kiss every single time. My kids today respect me so much for that. I was like, daddy, thank you for showing us that the time it really bothered us today we realized just how important that was and that always bring, kind of makes, makes me choke up a little yeah. bit yeah you i mean i've seen you and your wife together and you guys are sweet as you know 20 year old like kids that just met what's the secret there i mean like how have you how have you done that <laughs> a lot of people probably don't know the story i met my wife a week later we're engaged <laughs> i did not know that two weeks after that we were married wow we just celebrated our 27th anniversary. Wow. Yeah. There's not a single day that goes by. And I love text and I take advantage of it. Not a single day goes by, Brandon. I don't text my wife and I let her know how much I love her, mm. how grateful I am for her, how amazing of a wife that she is. I mean, not a day goes by. And the same is true with my kids. Not a single day goes by that I don't let yeah. them know just how precious they are in my life. One of my oldest kids, I always refer to him as my, my superhero. And every single one has their own little nicknames. But they hear from me daily. And they hear from me. They also get scripture from me. Yeah. You know, a verse from the Bible that just reconnects them. And it just makes us a stronger family when we do that. I've never betrayed my wife's trust. You know, having that level of not only love, but trust yeah. and respect. I respect her opinion. I would tell you in 27 years, there's a lot of things that, you know, over time that, you know, her and I disagreed on, but we've always found a common ground except one, right? In 27 years, there's only one thing her and I never agreed upon. And you know what that is? What's that? When it came time to prosecute. Oh. And my wife wanted to put them all behind bars <laughs> and let them rot in hell, yeah. <laughs> as, she, as she called it. I struggled with that. Yeah. I said, baby, I can't. Yeah. I said, looking back, I says, yeah, I don't appreciate, you know, the, the hardest thing, just watching your cars, you know, being towed on tow trucks and, and just leaving and, you know, foreclosed on properties and just losing a lot of the materialist things. It was, it was hard, but it was also at the same time, the greatest gift that I could be given. Cause what it did is it brought me closer to God so mm. much closer than I ever thought possible. Mm. And, and I said, baby, like, how could I want to hurt them? How could I want to punish them? How could I, if they actually gave me the greatest gift, if God used them to bring me closer to him, how could I be upset with them? And mm. I, 
and I'm one that believes in judgment day. I think we, every single one of us has to answer when that day comes, but it wasn't for me to decide. And I just felt like it was a gift that they had given me. And if God used them, I don't want to hurt them. And actually a year later, I saw one of the presidents at the airport. I give him a hug. Wow. <laughs> and my wife was so bad. I was like, what are you doing? How could you wow. do that? She was animated a little bit about it. Wow. But wow. Yeah. It was that level of forgiveness. Yeah. Like, Where does that, that really come matters. from that? I mean, like, is that just like, have you always been a forgiving guy or is that something you know, feel like God's been working in your heart for a little? Yeah. You know, I've always been a loving guy and, and a trusting guy. But I never really understood the Bible. Every attempt that I ever made to read the Bible, I struggled with, mm. right? So if you said, Adele, you know, today was your last day. Would you go to heaven? Before, I was, yeah, absolutely. You know, I've never hurt anyone. I never cheated anyone. I never took advantage of anyone. God knows my heart. I pray every night. So, of course, I'm going to go to heaven. But every attempt, Brandon, that I made to read the Bible, I struggled, honestly, especially when I began with Genesis and I would read you know, so-and-so lived to be 850 years and mm-hmm. so-and-so 900 years and so-and-so and begotten so-and-so who begotten so-and-so. I struggled. Yeah. And it was like, who's keeping record, right? Yeah. I mean, my grandfather's only two generations ago. Until today, they're still debating whether he lived to be 96 or 106. <laughs> <laughs> There's some people that think he had yeah. four siblings. There's others that think have that five. Yep. So it was like, I struggled. And I would put the Bible down. I was like, God, please forgive me. I don't want to sin. I don't want to question you. I know who you are. I feel you in my heart. There's not an ounce that I believe in you. I struggle with reading it. And the only way I could describe it is imagine you're in downtown LA, you're driving your car and your car breaks down. The chances of you pulling over and opening the glove box and start reading the owner's manual, how to fix your car is pretty slim, right? Well, you could call AAA or your favorite garage. Would you agree with that? Yeah. But what if you're in the middle of nowhere on a dark, deserted road and no one in sight and you have no reception, let alone you have no phone? Mm. What's the likelihood you can open the box and start reading your owner's manual? And to me, that's what the Bible really truly is to me. It is the owner's manual. And when I took it, because I was in my darkest road of my life, I was in my darkest moment of my life. And I was like, God, you know, I need to understand. And, And I read it. I got clarity that I never thought possible. It was the greatest book that I ever read because I, you know, I'm an inventor. And when, when I invented something and somebody wanted to know about it, you know what they did? One of two things. Either A, picked up the phone and said, hey, Adele, this thing you invented, tell me how it worked, right? But if I wasn't around, guess what they did, Brandon? They went to an owner's manual yeah. and read it. And for me, if you really truly understand the Bible and you read it, with an open heart, an open mind, knowing that it's inspired by God, but written by man, right? I mean, man, you know, science says we use, what, 8, 9, 10% of our brains, 11% for Einstein's, but it's written by man, right, who uses that capacity of their brain, but it's truly inspired by God. And may I share with you this, Rocky? Sure. I call it the, so I had bankrupt the company. That was the toughest day of my life. And I was ashamed I was embarrassed. I felt like I was the one that was a failure. I felt like I let my family down that was depending on me. And a lot of people were actually depending on I just felt like I felt so many people down and that was like a really low part of my life. I was just the darkest time of my life, I would say. And I didn't share nothing with my family for weeks. You know, I mean, my wife and my oldest son knew, but no one else knew. None of my siblings knew. And we're at church and it was good friday and i remember just we being wobbly and i must i must have been wild, really wobbly because i got a tap on my shoulder and i would look back and it was my doctor who happens to be my first cousin he goes are you okay and i said yeah doc he goes no step outside with me and he does my blood pressure he goes bro we, we got to get you to emergency room he gives me an aspirin and my wife has been after me, Brandon, forever and ever. It's just like, it's like, please, baby, you can't just hold this to yourself. You got to share it with your family. You got to tell your brothers at the very least. You can't just, you're hurting yourself. And she could see that happening. So I tell the doctor, I says, I know what I need to do. I says, so my brother lived, my eldest brother lived across the street. And so I told my wife, I said, look, let's just gather everyone. Maybe tonight is the night I'm going to break the news to them. And I went. And so we gathered all the brothers and my wife takes my sister-in-laws outside and here I have my brothers and I share the news with them. 
And one of my brothers says, you know, Adele, oh my God, I can't. everybody's jaws drop, right? They can't believe. And then one of my brothers says, you know, Adele, I know this guy who knows, this guy who knows a cop, let me call him and get him arrested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, what, bro? I Like, I know everyone in the FBI, there's probably not a chief of police, I don't have a relationship. What are you talking about, right? And then my other brother, who's a chef at the time, says, oh my God, Adele, I know this guy who, who got me $3,000 more on my car accident. Yeah, yeah. Let me call him, yep. I'll have him sue him. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, and honestly, I thought by me sharing this, what's happened to me, I would feel better. Brandon, I felt so much worse. I was like, I felt even overwhelmed because I was, my expectation was, okay, I, I'm gonna share it with everyone. I'm gonna get a release and I'm gonna feel better. Yeah. And, and I'm feeling really bad. And my brother says to me, my youngest, as I was got up, I grabbed my wife. I said, babe, let's just, let's just get out of here. Adele, maybe it's time to surrender. I didn't know what he meant because up until that time, I never really dived into the Bible to know what, that, what he meant by it biblically. But he goes, it's time to surrender. And I just took it, bro. And I walked up to him and said, Rafi, let me tell you something, man. Surrender is for cowards. Mm. I don't surrender. And if the doctors told me to surrender and I listened to them, I wouldn't be here today. So I'm gonna leave surrenders to cowards. And I grabbed my wife and I just stormed out of there. And I remember driving and I was just, I was so angry. And I was like, baby, I just, I was screaming, Ashley. And I was like, I just wish somebody would talk to me the way I would talk to me. I was just so hurt. I didn't know what else to do. I was so overwhelmed. And the next day is Saturday. It's the holiest day. I'm, I'm Greek Orthodox. It's the holiest day in, in our faith. And I've missed Good Fridays because I missed connecting flesh and making it home. And I've had to leave on Easter Sundays. But that Saturday is sacred to our entire family. And that's the day we Lent for 40 days. And that's the day we break Lent. So it's a big day, the day before resurrection. I've never missed church ever in my entire life. And here's my wife dressed up and looking pretty. And my kids are dressed up and looking pretty. And I'm laying in bed in a fetal position. It's like, baby, what are you doing? We got to go to church. And I tell her, no, I don't want to go. And she's like, what are you talking about? You've never missed church. This is really important to you, baby. And I says, no, I don't want to go. And I talk her into, I don't want to go. So she leaves with the kids. I pleaded with her to go. And for the first time, Brandon, I have what I call an out-of-body experience. Like something just sucked me up and I'm looking down and I see this man, me, I know it was me in a fetal position. And I'm like, who is this most pathetic man? He's like, he's everything I despise. Mm -hmm. He's everything exact opposite. And it was like, I'm looking at me and like, I know it's me and there's nothing I could do. And I went back into my body and like, oh my God, what just happened? I put on my gym clothes. I had not been in the gym for 18 months. I get in my McLaren, right? And I drive to a 24 hour, actually LA Fitness. It was a Saturday afternoon, so there's not a whole lot of cars. I still parked farther than anyone else. There was no other car next to me. I put on Rocky Balboa, remember Rocky original song, and Eye of the Tiger. I put them in loop, put my headphones on, I go into the gym, I come out four hours later. Got my witness, Brandon, I had no clue. It was complete blackout. I had no clue what I did. Mm -hmm. Other than tell you, I was head to toe, I was completely drenched. Wow. And I look, and there's my car, and there's a piece of banged up car next to it with the door open, hitting my McLaren. Oh, jeez. And it was like, I, look, I remember looking up, I was like, really? And man, I just like, my Marine Corps kicked in, <laughs> you know, I was just, I was ready to kick some butt, right? And I was, just, I remember just walking there, I was just so angry, how could this idiot do this? And as I was getting closer and closer and closer, I realized that the angle looked like he was hitting my car, but he didn't hit my car. Mm. And, I bent over to, to, to get to eye level. And I said, sir, do you mind closing your door so I could leave? And this Looney Tune guy comes out. <laughs> and he's like, oh my God, oh my God, what do you got to do to get one of these? And I remember looking up in the sky and I said, you have to have enough faith that all things are possible and you'll get this. He goes, oh no, no, I, I don't believe in God. I says, man, what awful thing did you ever happen to you for you to stop believing in God? He goes, oh, you know, when I was younger, I touched a girl inappropriately, and, and I ended up going to jail, man. I'm 55 years old, man. I live with my parents, man. Life sucks. My kids bought me, man. Life sucks. And I looked at him. I said, what's your name? He goes, Rocky. Hmm. I said, Rocky, man. I looked at my watch. I said, I wish I had an hour to take you to this hospital. It's a rehab center. It's called Casa Clino, where 
people involved in car accidents that had everything. Let's just see if any of them would trade places with you. Let's see if any of them would trade places with someone on Skid Row just for the ability to be able to grab a burger with two hands. Mm. Let's see if any of them would be able to trade places with someone that has absolutely nothing living in a cardboard box, but just the ability to clean themselves and say, man, the most beautiful things are right in front of you. You got a loving parents or mom and dad that love you unconditionally, give you a home. You got kids that it's not a McLaren, but they love you enough to go out and buy you this car, man. They're right in front of you, but you're just too freaking stupid to see that. And by the time I got done with them, he promised me to get to go to church. I get in my car and I drive like 10 feet and I stop. And I remember I started crying, man. And I was like, it was really rocky, huh? Mm. <laughs> Today, I couldn't even tell you if Rocky was there. Mm. I know what I saw and I know it was talking to me. God used Rocky to remind me what was truly important in my life. Yeah. That I have beautiful wife, healthy kids. I would trade the world for them. Yeah. And the reality is I still had everything. And I had them, and I just lost sight and perspective. I went home, got on my knees. I prayed. I said, God, you know, I'm not a coward. I don't know how to do this, but I guess I'm supposed to surrender to you. And that's the day Brandon and I call. I got my download, my 2.0 Adele download, <laughs> where everything I ever wanted to know about life was answered. Everything I wanted to know about us and me and life challenges and everything I was dealing with was literally answered. And the only way I could describe that for you, for your audience, imagine you're in your car and you're driving your windshield, right? You got dirt and mud and grime and, and this thing called life coming at you from every angle. And you're trying to navigate through these pinholes, right? Is that a left turn? Is that a right turn? Is that, is that a green light? Is that pedestrians walking? And look how inefficient he was. And imagine somebody takes and come and windexes your windshield and clears it up. And that's what happened to me. I felt like the Holy Spirit cleansed everything in my life and every obstacle. And I started seeing things for the first time through God's perspective, through God's lenses, not my own. Mm. That's powerful, man. Yeah, they give me chills about like that. Was Rocky real? Like, a, <laughs> I don't know. But you got your uh, answer to your prayer there. Somebody spoke he, to you the way. He did. He did. Yeah, the way you speak to you. So He did. Oh, powerful, man. Today's sponsor is the Real Estate Investing Summit in Maui. Yeah, that's actually the conference I'm throwing here in Hawaii. It's gonna be a two-day in-person event at the Grand Hyatt in Kanapali, Hawaii on Maui, May 22nd and 23rd, 2023. This is a dual-track event, which means we're gonna have two tracks at one time, one for new investors, one for experienced investors, and you can pick whatever one you wanna to go to. We got speakers lined up like David Green, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, Jay Papazan, investor and author of The One Thing, uh, Wendy Papazan, Tarl Yarber, AJ Osborne, Rich and Kathy Fetke, Brian Burke, and me, of course, and a whole lot more. And while this event is part of the accountability mastermind I run called The Better Life Tribe, we're actually opening up the few remaining tickets for the general population right now. So yeah, that actually means you can come if you hurry and uh, get your tickets. And you should, if you wanna lean into investing in real estate to fund your future, you'll network with speakers and attendees, you'll get a ton of knowledge and wisdom about strategies and tactics that are working now, and you'll make some great friends at the same time. Now look, we only have 300 total spots for the event. This is not one of those huge two, 3,000 person conferences where you're gonna get lost in the crowd. This is intimate, powerful, and life-changing. But because it's small, it's also going to sell out quick. So for more information, if you want to come, I'd love to have you. Go to reimaui.com. Again, that is reimaui.com. Let's move on to what happened next. I mean, like, bring us up to today. Where are you at today? How did you get from that point to today? Obviously, I had a lot of real estate yeah. that I was liquidating at 10 cents on a dollar. <laughs> you know, I just had to get rid of it because I wanted to save my company at the time. But and then once the dust settled, I was looking for answers. I knew it's time for me to get back and try to be healthy. And that was, by the way, that was the real reason that I had to bankrupt the company is, you know, financially we were, you know, we were liquidating assets, but I was living in a bunk in my room. I would have a meeting because I was still having a lot of health issues. Now I'm back in the company trying to run it and I would run a meeting for an hour and, and I had to take my meds and my meds would knock me out for two, three hours. I would sleep on, on the floor and on the couch or on a cot and then wake up and have another meeting. And, but my health was deteriorating to the point where doctors says, you got to have to decide right now. I was in the emergency room like two, three times a week. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of really my final draw. And when I stepped away from the company, 
I knew life was always happening for me, not to me, right? Because when life happens to your life, it's, you know, it's like, why me? I'm the victim. But life was happening for me. And I, and I knew that God was guiding me today. You know, I have absolutely zero social media presence. I've always been a, a private human being, you know, about me and my family. We're going to change um, that for you, though. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually my second podcast that I'm doing. Wow. I've had a lot of, you know, requests, but I declined them all. But, you know, knowing how beautiful of a soul you are and why you're doing this, I felt like God put this in my heart that it's time for me to really tell the my message and, and get God's story out there to inspire people and just to, to remind every single person, your audience, as an example, that life is life. You know, life is full of challenges and life will always continue to evolve and happen. And you're going to be let down and you're going to be disappointed. The question is, are you looking in the rearview mirror, being a victim of what happened, or are you able to focus 100% your focus and your energy on everything good? So today, I'll tell you, I live the simplest life of anyone you probably have been known, but I also live the greatest life. And I wake up every day, Brandon, with one goal in mind, and that is to make God proud of me. That's it. And every night when I go to bed, I put my head on the pillow. I kid you not, man. I'm like this. And I ask this question. I says, God, were you proud of me today? Mm. And if my goal is to make God proud of me, how do you think from the second I wake up, my interaction is with my wife? What do you think of my interaction is with my kids? How about my workers and my coworkers? How do you think I'm interacting with them? The person that just cut me off and almost caused me to get into an accident. What do you think my reaction is with them? If I wanted God to be proud of me, what do you think my reaction is with the cashier that's just really rude and having a really bad day and, you know, where normally you would want to tell her off? How do you think I'm interacting with her? Because the reality is that person that just cut you off, where usually would want to roll down the window and, you know, give them the international symbol of love, right? (laughs) What if there was an angel that whispered in your ear and said, hey, that guy is on his way to his only daughter's car accident where they just pronounced her dead? Would you still want to tell him off or would you like feel so sorry? It's like, man, I am yeah. that cashier that's having a really bad day that you want to tell how to do her job better yet. Go tell her boss what you think of how awful of a job that she's doing. What if I told you she's planning to go home and commit suicide because she's been betrayed by every single person in her life? Would you still want to tell her off or tell her boss or would you want to make her smile and try to make her day a little brighter? And I started looking at life from God's true perspective, because the reality is, I'll give you an example, and I'll give you an honest example. I'll just say that your dream car, think of your dream car, right? Some are Ferrari, some are Lamborghinis, whatever that car is. Imagine you're driving it from the dealership, and you're in the first traffic light, and you're just so excited that, look what I accomplished, look at my baby dream car that I always dreamed of my whole life. And you want to show it to your spouse, your family members, and you look in your rearview mirror, and here comes this idiot in a pickup truck, not paying attention, texting, and boom, rearrange you and totals your car. One of three ways a person would normally get out of it, right? One is, you know, you want to probably get out and rip his heart out and let him know what you think of him at that moment in time, right? The second is probably kick the tires. It's like, man, why this always happened to me? This is just my luck. Why me? Why me? And the third way is to look at it and says, are you okay? I'm okay. And look up and say, God, thank you, man, that I'm able to walk away from this accident because I didn't have to. Yeah. And the, the situation hasn't changed, right? You still, your car still got totaled. The only thing that changes is your perspective. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's always those looking at life's perspective through God's lenses, yeah. right? That fact that I was able to walk away from that accident is beautiful. And back to waking up every morning, the second I wake up, Brandon, my level of gratitude is higher than anyone else than you probably ever met. You know why? Because I've seen people have freak accidents and lose their eyesight. I felt like God put me in the hospital so I could see and witness these things. I've seen people get in a car accident and next thing they, they're paralyzed from the neck down. So I just felt like God blessed me in those ways that have been so profound that I want your audience to be reminded of what's truly important in life. Materialist things, man, never made me happy. And when I had the billion dollar company and I had every toy, you think I slept like a baby at night when I put my head on the pillow? I was stressed out. I was dealing with so many problems with lawsuits and litigation and this problem and that problem. Today, I have more inner peace. When I say, God, are you proud of me? I hear his voice. Like, I know that he's so proud of me. How do you think I sleep? 
How do you think you will sleep when you know that God is so proud of you? And if you slept like that, how do you think you're going to wake up? What kind of level of energy? What kind of level of excitement? What kind of a let's go? Because it's no longer about you. Mm. And when you no longer make it about you, you make it for something, that passion, that burning sensation that God put in our heart. Like you know that you meant for something so much bigger and so much greater than you. And you follow that dream. Man, today, I'll give you this. Like when I get business deals, and honestly, sometimes I get these, you know, multi-million dollar business deals. I simply ask this question, like, God, would this make you proud of me? And if the answer is no, I waste zero time on it. And I'm focused somewhere else. Before I used to do the brain Franklin yeah. and trying to justify why I should do these things. Like, God, you know, if I do, if this deal comes true, I'm going to do Today, I do nothing of that. I was like, if it's no, no means no. And I focus 100% of my energy and focus on things that I know that would make God proud. When you're making decisions at that level, and I call it the crystal ball. Imagine having a crystal ball where every decision, Brandon, that you make, you know without a doubt is the right decision. Yeah. Imagine that. And for me, it's like when you know that it's, it makes God proud, it's the right decision. So to me, there's no regrets. There's no looking back. And when God wants to alter my decision, <laughs> I get this nudge and I just feel like, okay, it's time to change course. And he takes me on a different path. And being able to live life with that, imagine the quality of the decisions you're going to make. If you know every decision that you make is a righteous one and it's the right one. Mm-hmm. And if you're making those kind of decisions, what kind of life you think you're going to be living if you know you're making those quality decisions each and every day, each and every minute, every time you're presented with a situation, it's that simple of a life. You don't have to go memorize the Bible. You don't have to go memorize all these verses. You don't have, a lot of people want you to live life because they believe of, you know, what Christianity is. And if I may share this, uh, I know I've been kind of, you know, talking quite a bit, but if I just, I'll leave you with this. 2000 years ago, God himself in the purest form came to earth as Jesus Christ in the purest form. And he gave us all the tools, Brandon, that we need to live a joyful life, a life of bliss, a peaceful life. He told us what forgiveness brings to us, literally gave us all the tools to live an incredible life fulfilled of gratitude and fulfilled of joy. And I mean, everything that you could ever possibly want. 2000 years later, you have over 2000 different Christian denominations from Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses on one end of the spectrum to Catholics and Protestants and other and everything in between including me, Greek Orthodox, and some of my closest Amish friends. And everyone's telling you they're right and everyone else is wrong. The reality is everybody's so judgmental. Mm. Everybody is, i give you an example. I met this girl, 19 years old, who's ready to take her own life. And it was a, a very emotional moment for me because, you know, she's just telling me that she just gave up on life and she just felt like life wasn't worth living anymore. And when I asked her why, she's like, Adele, I actually, I said, sweetheart, where's God in your, in your life? And she goes, you know, I grew up as a Protestant. And she goes, Adele, my dad was a pastor. And man, I look forward. I woke up every morning looking forward to going to church. I loved helping in church in every way, in every capacity with my mom. And I would come get done with school. And I couldn't wait to get, finish school so I could go to church and help out. And she goes, just Adele, as I was growing up, I realized I was different than the other girls. And I was gay. And when I told my dad that he wanted nothing to do with me. He disowned me. Yeah. My mom hates me. My siblings, none of them want to talk to me. My best friend in the world, my, my sister despises me. And the church that I go to disowns me. They threw me out of the church at Dell and no one loves me and no one cares for me. And man, I, I was just so taken by what this girl was. She's ready to take her own life, a beautiful soul like that. And I reminded her, by reading the Bible, says, sweetheart, let me just tell you, you were created in God's image. That's the first thing you need to know. And let me just tell you about who my Jesus Christ was. Mm-hmm. When they asked him, like, master, teacher, what are the most important commandments? He says, there's no greater commandments than these two, to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and all your soul, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. He didn't say love your neighbor only if they're this color. He didn't say love your neighbor only if they're their sexual orientation. He didn't say love your neighbor only if they have this financial status. He just says love them. And and that's what I'm reminded. And that's why I live my life today, Brandon, is just, I love, as you know, man, I I just love people. I love inspiring people. I love motivating people. I love 
reminding people of who my God really is, who yeah. my Jesus Christ is, who my Savior is, and how beautiful He really is. Yeah, how much, how much, like crazy amount of pain in this world would go away if people just followed those rules? Like, live to make God proud of you. Like, you know, love, love God and love people. Yeah. We just follow those two rules. Like, it to- makes total sense why he, he would say these are the most important. That you do these things right, everything else is going to be fine. So true. Yeah. Oh so, man. So it's true. So right. true. <laughs> we could talk for a hundred hours, but I want to shift this over towards the last segment of the show. I don't have a good fancy name for it yet, but right now we're, uh, it's going to be three questions with three chunk. We'll call it three pieces each. All right. First one, we'll go with the three things that you've done. What three things have you done in the last year? It could be a action you've taken, a change, a habit, a routine, a, a product you bought, a book you read, whatever. Just three things that you've changed in your life in the past year that has given you a better life. I live, like I told you, I live my life with those wake up every day wanting to make God proud of me. And that's just really profound. In the last year, I just recently picked up painting, oil painting. Oh, no way. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> and it was just vision. I, I was painting. I woke up one day, you know, I've never painted. I painted some pretty cool stuff. I'll, sh- I'll show you yeah, after this show. And then I stopped for a little while. I didn't know why. And then I had this vision where you and I met Tim Tebow in, uh, you know, 9,000 feet on the mountain. And when he was talking about what he was, when he talked about how he put John 3.16 and that became the number one Googled item, God put in my heart right there and then that all my paintings are really meant to be nothing more than verses. Imagine having a painting that depicts that particular verse or that particular quote of how to live life. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So I live that. Now we have the Jesus.com. Jesuslike.com, right? So I strive to be Jesus-like. I, yeah, I think every yeah. good Christian wants to be a Jesus-like person. So we own the uh, Jesus-like.com. Uh, cool. Tony's working on it, trying to build it for us. And really want to just show what, what it's like to live a beautiful life that's full of joy and happiness. And how would Jesus react to everything? And it's a tool to be able to, you know, I envision having podcasts. I envision being able to share incredible inspirational stories and how our faith will heal us and how to believe in yourself and how you have all the tools to live an incredibly magical, beautiful life. We just conflate it. Life is already tough as is. And I just feel like, you know, the outside sometimes just makes it a little bit tougher. And I want to come in the purest form the way it was 2000 years ago. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what about books, three books that have impacted you in your life? Let's say besides the Bible, because that's the obvious one that... Yeah, actually, you know what? That's, to me, that's the single most important book, you know, that I think, and reading it with that kind of understanding, Tony Robbins had also an an incredible impact on my life, you know, just growing up and, you know, the wake up the giant within and unleash them the power. Power, I I think those were just incredible books. And listen, one of my favorite hero someone that i truly truly look up to is john maxwell yeah and he's written and a ton of great books he did i think it's well over 60 books they're That's all fun. about leadership yeah and you know what i love about what he talks about in his book some of them are like the 21 essentials of leadership yeah became like the number one selling book but all that most of his books and what i love what he talks about you know it really all came from proverbs and the yeah, bible yeah. about how to live life and He's someone that I look forward to. I actually listen to him as frequently as I can, whether it's a podcast or whether it's a YouTube or, or whether it's a book that I read. Awesome, man. I love it. All right, next question. I guess the last of the 333, three, three, we'll call this today. The 333, three, three. that's not a bad name, right? Yeah. I don't know what you guys think. 333, three, three, we'll go with it for now. The last of the three is who's three, we'll call it people you look up to. Could be past or present. People you look up to that you admire. Of course, Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. That's like, I had no idea you were to say that. None. Yeah. You know, um, you know, if I was to have dinner, he would definitely be yeah, one I would love to have one. dinner with. I think to me, the greatest president that we've ever had was Ronald Reagan. Okay. I always looked up to him and just his leadership and my father. Mm. He had an incredible impact on my life. Very loving, very giving, and I miss him dearly. Yeah. How long ago did he? Uh, 12 years ago. Okay. Yeah, 12 years ago. Wow. When he passed, there was not a single day I didn't visit his gravesite if I was in town. And wow. just, he was one of those kind of dads that just really impacted my life in a profound way. And I, and I strive to be the father that he was to us. Mm. That's really good, man. All right, last question. Where do you want to send people? Who can, where can they? I know you don't, do a lot, you don't do a lot of social media right now. Maybe we'll get you more in there. But JesusLike.com is that the best place for you? Jesuslike.com. We also 
my book that's coming out. I just yes. finished writing my book in December. Hopefully we're looking at a June, July launch date. Okay. As a placeholder, yeah. we have theunshakableyou.com, okay. and that's probably going to be the name of the book. Some people suggested putting the unbreakable in there as well, yeah. so the unshakable and unbreakable, but theunshakableyou.com, okay. because I just want to give you the tools and powers to overcome whatever life challenges throws at you, and they're probably going to be the adelsage.com. Okay. that we're going to be able to communicate to everyone that wants to listen and hear about life stories and inspirational stories. And hopefully most of them will be you know, spiritual, but they're all really to give you the tools to live a joyful life, to live a life that is stress-free and to always walk away with no matter that your world could be falling apart, but yet you have the peace that surpasses understanding. Yeah. What a great tool to have because at the end of the day, I think Every one of your audience that, that's invested in real estate or raises money or, you know, it's just so we can make enough money. So one day, right, we could have the peace that no matter what happens, we have enough. We saved enough to live comfortably. My question will always be, what if you could have that peace today? Mm. The peace that surpasses understanding. And that hopefully is my goal with the JesusLike.com. Awesome, man. I love it. I, I love you. Thank you. And I love I you, man. You. <laughs> You're awesome. Thank you. You're awesome. Thank you, brother. And that is the show. Thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of A Better Life with Brandon Turner. I hope you enjoyed the insights and the wisdom uh, brought to you today on the show. If you found value in this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, your feedback actually does help us improve the show. We look at the feedback, I look at the feedback, and we can reach more people with our message of living a better life. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow me on social, Beardy Brandon. And hey, before I go, this show is all about the habits, actions, and beliefs that can give you a better life. But in case you're interested and you want to know my opinion on what it takes to live the best life ever, and that includes some of my kind of weird spiritual beliefs maybe, check out abetterlife.com slash bestlife. Abetterlife.com slash bestlife. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next time on A Better Life with Brandon Turner.